that God is still doing miracles today? This question had a profound impact on my father, our founding pastor, Happy Layman, when his coworker one day in 1977 came into the office and posed this bold claim. Now, my dad had been raised in faith, but in the faith that he was raised, they were taught that the, the miracles ceased to happen after the writing of the Bible. But despite what he had been taught, his heart burned with hope because he needed a miracle. My parents needed a miracle. They had severe infertility. In fact, my mom has a missing fallopian tube. She had a tumor. My dad also had issues. And they were desperate. It would be this question of, did you know that God is still doing miracles today that would send them on this epic adventure and the discovery that God was way more than they had ever imagined. You see, my parents wanted a miracle. They wanted a baby, but their lives were transformed when they met the person of the Holy Spirit. Because what happened was when they met the Holy Spirit, suddenly the Bible became brand new to them. They could not believe what they were reading. And all throughout the scripture, they saw that God was a healer. He was a miracle worker. And they were blown away. So what did they do? They decided to start a small group in their home. And they started gathering people in their home. And they started reading the scripture together and studying these passages, talking about the fact that God was a healer. And so they read the Bible together. They worshiped together. They prayed for one another, all while believing that God was going to give them a miracle. Well, that little small group of people exploded when my mother supernaturally conceived my oldest brother, after almost seven years of infertility. You see, they wanted a baby, but God's plan was so much bigger, and this church was birthed. They knew they had to tell the whole town, God is still doing miracles today. Now, I love this story, and not just because I wouldn't be here without it, because I was their third child, but because this one question changed their lives forever and changed all of our lives. Did you know that God is still doing miracles today? Well, we're talking about this because we have been on a journey together in the one-year Bible, and we are right now in the Gospel of Mark. Now, a couple of things. If you have not yet joined us in the journey, it's not too late. We want to give you a free Bible today, and you can go out to the lounge in the commons and pick one up, and you can join us. We are in the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they chronicle the life and ministry of Jesus. And what we're discovering is that Mark is making a case for who Jesus is. In fact, the first eight chapters of Mark is all about who is Jesus. And this week, we read from about Mark 3, 10 till this morning, about Mark 8, a little bit into Mark 8, we read so many stories of miracles. Miracle after miracle after miracle. There were deliverance from evil spirits. There was physical healing. He raised someone from the dead. He had provisional miracles. He had weather miracles. It was a miracle week. And so I wanna do just a quick rundown. Let's just talk about the miracles that we read about this week. Okay, are you ready? Mark 4, Jesus calms the sea of Galilee with a storm. 
Mark 5, Jesus delivers the demon-possessed man and sends the demons into that herd of pigs. Hard story to miss. Healing the man. Jesus heals the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Mark 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Jesus walks on water, calming the storm. Mark 7, Jesus delivers the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, delivering her from a demon. Mark 7 again, Jesus heals a deaf man with speech problems. And then Mark 8, he feeds 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fish. I love the variety this week. Mark is answering the question, who is Jesus? And boy, does he ever answer. He says, Jesus is a miracle worker. And that's what we're gonna study today. That's what we're gonna look at because we need to ask ourselves, why is it important that Jesus is a miracle worker and what does it mean for us today? But I'm gonna start by first praying and inviting the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And so we say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to be the teacher, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us. We thank you for your wonderful miracle working power And we invite you today to be the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think one question we need to start with as we have this conversation today is, what is a miracle? This is a good question because miracle, like many words in the English language, has been used to describe many different scenarios. You know, for example, you might have said something like this today, it's a miracle that I got to church on time today. Now, I do understand the the joy of hitting every green light on Lincoln Avenue, but could we really say that's a miracle? Probably not, right? Now, interestingly, there is no officially agreed upon definition for miracle. It's rather subjective, but one of the more widely accepted definitions throughout history is from Augustine of Aquinas, and he said this, A miracle is a divine action that transcends the ordinary course of nature and generates awe. I liked that. A miracle is a divine action that transcends ordinary cause of nature, course of nature. So I think what he's trying to say here is that a miracle is more than a beautiful sunrise, although sunrises can be beautiful. It is something that you wouldn't expect to happen on your own. Now, obviously, there are concrete, you know, verifiable miracles uh, that we have, but then there are also smaller and um, less obvious, but nonetheless, miraculous things that happen. And so I think that we need to acknowledge that defining a miracle is part of the challenge of talking about miracles. Another challenge is our worldview. And we talked a little bit about this last week, that what we believe affects how we behave. And so I think it's important that we take a moment to reflect on what we believe. Now, we live in what's known as the Western world, and many people in the West have adopted a naturalistic worldview. And what that means is they believe there is a natural explanation for everything that happens. And this can cause us to not believe in the miraculous. Maybe you were raised in a faith like my parents, where you were taught that miracles have ceased. That's called cessationism. And so maybe you don't have a grid for the miraculous. For others of us, skepticism and disillusionment can erode our faith that the miraculous can happen. And so I think it's important that we talk about our worldview. Now, the worldview that we as a church embrace is that of the kingdom worldview. And Daniel talked about this last week when we looked at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. He talked about Jesus saying in Mark 1, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. And then what did we see Jesus begin to do? 
Everywhere he went, healing, hope, and wholeness broke out. You see, the kingdom of God is about heaven coming to earth now. And so what we believe is that the future is available now. And that means that we can pray for healing and breakthrough and hope to happen. And it can. We don't have to wait till heaven to experience healing now. We talk about how the chaos of our lives can come into the order of heaven. And if we read the gospels, we see this is what Jesus did wherever he went. I already listed all the miracles that he did that wherever he went, healing and hope and breakthrough followed him. Now, what can be confusing about the kingdom of God is that it has come, but it is not fully here. And that explains why there is things like brokenness and pain and death and a need for healing in our lives. And we call this the already and not yet. Now, how many of you love tension? Boo! I hate tension. I hate living in the reality of these two things, that heaven has come, but it's not fully here. That we can experience a miracle and breakthrough, and yet sometimes we don't. But this is the tension that we are called to live in. And one of the things we're going to have to wrestle with, if we embrace this life of the miraculous, embrace pursuing miracles, is we're going to have to wrestle of what if it doesn't happen? What if the miracle doesn't come? And I want to stand before you today and just acknowledge that there has been damage done by the church and by other Christians towards one another in this whole area. And so if this has been your story, it can be difficult to approach this topic without pain and cynicism. And I am deeply sorry if you have ever been blamed for your lack of faith or for not believing or feel like not receiving a miracle was your fault. That was wrong. And I believe today that if you're waiting on a miracle from God, that there is hope today. There is faith today. Now, there's lots of obstacles, right? We've already talked about them. The definition, our worldview, our past experiences. And yet, I believe there is fresh faith to tap in to this topic this morning. And faith is so important because it recognizes God's trustworthiness. And that's essential in this journey of miracles. This is not magic. There is not a formula. We are being invited into a friendship where we can trust in him. And we want to have faith in him, not in the miracle, in him, because he is the faithful one. So as we look at these passages today, I think there's a couple of different categories that we should think about. The first is this. Some of you need a miracle. You need a miracle today. It could be big. It could be little. Any size, any shape. And I think that the Holy Spirit wants to meet us today with heaven. I think he wants to break through with hope and healing and wholeness. And as we read these scriptures, what I think Jesus wants to do is he wants faith in our hearts to rise, that this is who he, he is, that he is the miracle worker. But secondly, I want us to consider the assignment that we've been given by God. We were birthed out of a miracle. And now our assignment is to extend the miraculous with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the assignment, that we have been given much, and now we get to give it away. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. And so the message we're telling, Champaign-Urbana, wherever you live, work, and play is, God is still doing miracles today. 
Let me tell you how the gospel of Matthew says it. These are Jesus's instructions to us. This is Matthew 10, seven. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. These are our instructions. We are natural people called to a supernatural task. Maybe you will tell one of your coworkers, did you know God is still doing miracles today? And it will change the course of their lives. Maybe the course of a community. Okay, so we have those of us who need to receive a miracle. Then I believe there's this category of, we're called to release miracles. And then I think there's a third category that I want us to be thinking about as we hear these stories today. And it's this, I think that some of us need to recognize the miracles that are in our lives. Sometimes we don't even recognize how God has provided, how he's moved. And here's the problem with that. When we don't recognize, we're not able to thank him and give him the credit and the glory and the honor. And today, I just think there's an opportunity to say, Lord, you are who you say you are. Help me see the miracles that you have provided in my life. So with that, let's go to Mark 6. And that's where our text is. We're gonna start today. We are going to read a story of miraculous provision. And we're gonna see what Jesus shows us. This is Mark 6, verse 34. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it is getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said to them, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to pay off, to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups of, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Okay, what we're gonna do, because we're reading our one-year Bibles, we're gonna, we're gonna pause. We're gonna reflect and we're gonna respond. We're gonna ask some questions about what we read. Okay, Mark's claim, Jesus is a miracle worker. And then he tells us this story. Now, if I would have started right before this text, what we know is that Jesus is tired. He's trying to get away from people, but they just keep finding him. And he's on a boat. And when he gets off the boat, the people are there. And what did the scripture say? It says they were like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. And so what does he do in his compassion? He teaches them. Why? Because he cares about their spirituality. He cares about their spiritual souls. He wants to feed them spiritually. And so he begins to teach. Well, then it gets late and the crowds are gonna need food and the disciples answer, you know, send them away. Like these people can figure that out on their own, God. Like, why do we need to worry about it? And that's a very naturalistic view, right? They're just, you know, thinking sm smart. This is a remote place. You know, most villages during this time were like two to 300 people. They definitely couldn't have fed 5,000 men. And so there was no easy way to get the food. And Jesus' response is, no, you feed them. And they're like, 
Bro, that would be a year's salary to feed all these people. And so Jesus says, okay, well, go, go tell me, what, what, what are we working with? What are we working with? Five loaves and two fish. And what is so interesting, this is one of those stories that's found in all the four gospels. And in the gospel of John, we learn that this is a young boy, his lunch. And so the boy gives his food to Jesus. And then I love how Jesus organized people. I mean, is this like biblical precedence for getting organized in our lives? I think it is. And so this is part of the miracle. Administration is a miracle. And so what he does is he organizes them on green grass. You know what I love about this? We already know that he said, I'm the good shepherd. These are, these are like sheep without a shepherd. And what does the good shepherd do? Well, Psalm 23 tells us he makes us lie down on green pastures. And so Jesus sits them on these green pastures. He organizes them into groups. And then did you notice what Jesus did? He has the bread and the loaves in his hand and he doesn't look down he looks up. He doesn't look at what he has. He looks at the one who has everything. And he says, Father, bless this food. I think this is a word for us today. We are looking at what we have and we are saying, there's not enough. There's not enough. And the invitation today is to turn up and to say, Father, you have everything. You have everything. And so Jesus blesses the food. And then what does he do? He starts to break the food apart. And what I noticed was how extra extravagant Jesus is. Like he could have just made sure there was just enough. This man had leftovers, 12 baskets. Now, thankfully there's 12 disciples. So each disciple gets a basket of leftovers. They got food for tomorrow. The Lord's provision is abundant. And what I love about this story is you know, they call it the feeding of the 5,000 because they don't count women and children. I won't go down that rabbit hole, but... Biblical theologians believe, or theologians believe that this was probably between 15,000 and 20,000 people with the women and the children. This was an enormous number. I also noticed the participation in this story, the boys' lunch, how the disciples had to partner, the administration, the collecting of the leftovers. We are called to extend the miraculous, and this story is a story of miraculous multiplication where there is nothing that is impossible for God. He cares about our spiritual needs. He cares about our physical needs. And he wants to provide for both of those things. You know, provisional miracles are all around us. Now, they're probably not as obvious as the feeding of the 5,000. I will readily admit that, but that doesn't mean they don't have a great impact. We have needs and the Lord provides those. And many times there is a miracle involved in that. I can't tell you how many times I've thought to myself, I don't have enough, Lord. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough food. And the Lord has provided. Five years ago, when I was getting ready to step into this role as your senior pastor, Mike and I had unexpectedly discovered that we were expecting our fourth baby. And I felt this deep tension in me that I felt this call. And at the same time, I had the very real responsibility of taking care of this new baby, and I knew I needed help. Now, if you're not a parent or haven't had to try to secure childhood in the last five to seven years, it is, it is a tough, tough world. It is expensive. There are wait lists. It is, it, is, it is tough. I can't even describe how tough it is. And I could have been stressed out, you know, out of my mind. But what ended up happening was a friend reached out to me with the name of a girl who we ended up hiring. And this girl came into our home 
and not only loved our baby, but loved our entire family and homeschooled my kids six months later when the world shut down because of COVID. You see, I couldn't have even known what I needed, but the Lord saw in advance what was gonna happen and he provided. And my guess is this, that if you looked back over your life, you would see the wonder working provision of God in your life. Now, have you recognized it? Have you thanked him? Have you said, okay, Lord, I see what you've done. I give you the credit. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I got to tell you another story of provision because it just happened this month. So some of you know that for the last 25 years, we've had the honor of having a food pantry here. And every week we serve families in our community. And just to give you a little bit of context, in January 2021, we were serving on average 86 families a week, which was wonderful. We were so grateful to bless those families. But the numbers are in for 2024, January, and we are now serving over 300 families every single week. Yes, you can clap, because many of you are involved. Now, in February, we got a notice from the government that our normal meat shipment was not going to come. We are a licensed distribution partner, and they just said there's no meat this month. Now, we could have been stressed, because the need is great. But instead, we know who the provider is, and wouldn't you know, we did not order these but a shipment of eggs and cheese show up at the Hope Center. Now, that, those are great sources of protein for our clients. And then a couple days later, we did not order, but a huge pallet of potatoes show up at the Hope Center. Now, here's the thing that you gotta know, that when we don't order the food, we don't have to pay for the food that we're giving away. And so we just got free cheese, free eggs, free potatoes. Oh, it's gonna get better. It's gonna get better because last week we got a donation of 140 pounds of venison from Chuck and Mary Ellen Stites, who are members here at this church. Their company has been incredibly generous with us, but the Lord's timing, I mean, come on. The months that we're not gonna have stuff, suddenly we're getting free things, meat and cheese and eggs and potatoes. God is a God of miracles, and he is about our provision. Now, there are so many things that I love about this story. We have a need, and God fills that need. Many of us are called to participate, and I love that Chuck and Mary Ellen participated. They extended the miraculous doing their everyday life. Some of you today, you need a provisional miracle, and we're going to pray for that a little bit later. Others of you could be part of someone's provisional miracle, and we're going to pray for you too to have courage and compassion to participate as the Holy Spirit leads you. Okay, we gotta read one more because it's just too good. So if you've not read today's reading yet, you're in for a treat because today is just a doozy of a day in Mark, okay? You're gonna start off and Mark, it, it, Mark chronicles how Jesus is going to set this woman's daughter free and we're gonna dig into that story. But then right after that, Jesus heals a deaf man with a speech impediment and then right after that, Jesus feeds another 4,000. And so today, we read these three powerful stories. Again, Mark is trying to help us understand who is Jesus. And he is showing us that Jesus is a miracle worker. So let's go to Mark 7. We're going to pick up in verse 24. And let's read about a desperate mother. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast the demon from her. 
Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that is true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed and the demon was gone. Now this, I'm gonna be honest, to me, this is a little bit of a confusing story. And I think that Jesus wants to help us unpack what he's doing here. And so let's take a little bit of time to reflect and respond. Okay, so Jesus, he's growing in popularity and he's tired. He's trying to get away from people. But did you notice that he can't be hidden? Because the world is hungry for a touch from God. And so he can't be hidden. And this woman discovers that he's there and we find out this is a Gentile woman. In fact, we find out that this is a Greek woman. And what you need to know about that is that means she was higher class. And so she's elite, but she needs something from Jesus who is a Jew. She is elite, but she's desperate. And she falls before Jesus and she begs him to save her daughter who is possessed by an evil spirit. Now, Jesus' response, he seems harsh. You know, he says like, you know, I've come for Israel, God's chosen people. And then he compares her people to a dog. Now, no, she, he didn't say you are a dog, but he does make, it, this, is, this, this is meant to offend her. This is offensive what he says to her. You know, I have not come for you. I, you know, I can't take what is rightfully my family's and give it to the dogs. So what is going on here? Have you ever asked yourself a question like, what is Jesus doing here? Well, what Jesus is doing here is he's using an obstacle that tests her faith and proves it. He's using an obstacle that tests her faith and proves it. And Jesus does this often. Let, let, if we went back in, in the Gospel of Mark, there was a, there's other obstacles that we could pick out. Let's, let's use the obstacle of the roof. Do you remember the story of the friends who wanted their, their friend healed, but Jesus is in the house and they can't get to him? So what do they do? They go up on top and they bust open the roof. That was an obstacle that tests and proves their faith. And so what this is, is this is a obstacle. And this woman, she is too desperate to give up. Listen, she could have been offended. She could have said, uh, I don't know who you think you're talking to. But instead, you know what she does? She humbles herself further. And she says, Jesus, you're right. But here's where it gets crazy. You see, for the Jewish people, they saw dogs as rodents. They wouldn't have been pets. They were like nuisances. But the Greeks, the Greeks had dogs as pets. And so she basically says to Jesus, Jesus, you're right, but in my culture, dogs are pets and they're allowed to pick up after the children because she knows that a crumb of his power is enough to set her daughter free. And so what she does is she says, I see this obstacle, Lord, but I know who you are and I'm gonna go after this and I'm gonna believe in you. And what does he say to her? Good answer. Your faith has made your daughter well. And he heals her. Now, I want us to note a couple things. I want us to note her tenacity. I want us to note her humility. She will not be denied. She could have been offended, but she pressed in. This was an obstacle that proved her faith in Jesus. And Jesus commends that faith and heals her daughter. And honestly, there's so many things that we can learn from this story. Because we know this. We're going to face obstacles as we wait for miracles. And these tests, they're not meant to trick us. 
They're not meant to trick us. It is natural to become discouraged and disillusioned when things go wrong or not like we expect them to. But the real thing, the real talk is that we give up too easily. We give up too easily. And can I be really real with you? Sometimes I don't want to believe in the miraculous. Sometimes in my brain, it just feels like, would it be easier if I just didn't believe and, and therefore I didn't have hope? And it just, I somehow just was like, well, I guess this is just how it's going to be for the rest of my life. Because you know what? Sometimes hope hurts. But I have seen too much and I know who he is and I know what he's inviting us into. And so I'm going to push past these obstacles. I'm going to push past my disappointment and I'm going to say, Jesus, I do believe but help my unbelief. You know, so often I think that we, we get tripped up in this area and we get disillusioned and we get disappointed and we stop believing that Jesus is doing miracles today. We stop asking, do I want to see more miracles? I do. Am I upset when miracles don't happen and I'm asking for them? I do. I could tell you so many stories of times I prayed for things and they haven't happened but I can also tell you so many times I've prayed for things and they have happened. This is the tension that we get to live in. And I, I, I wanna say this, I wanna say that often as I've faced obstacles in my life, it has proved my faith in Jesus. It's proved my faith in Jesus. And again, I wanna say that Jesus, proving your faith in Jesus doesn't mean you get the miracle, it means you get Jesus. And he's greater than anything you need in your life. This is not transactional. This is relational. And this story really shows us the power of perseverance. I think this is a word for some of us today. We've grown weary. We've stopped asking. We've stopped believing. And today, the invitation is to persevere. And this was a mother persevering. How many of you have a child, a grandchild, a spiritual child that you know needs deliverance, that you know needs freedom? May we read this story today to say, Jesus, I can come to you on behalf of that child and I can ask for their freedom. Mark wants us to know Jesus is a miracle worker. He's a freedom fighter. Now, I think when we read stories like this too, we can say, does this still happen today? Like, are people still oppressed by the enemy today? And again, our worldview deeply impacts how we would relate and respond to that type of question. We would say yes, that when you believe in the kingdom of God, you believe there is a battle that is waging. And what we often say is that the enemy has been defeated but he has not departed. And what that means is the enemy can oppress people. But the good news is this, Jesus wants to bring freedom in every area of our lives. And we believe freedom miracles still happen today. I wanna to recommend two books to you. Two books that I think that are gonna raise your, your faith level. The first book is by Craig Keener and it's called Miracles Today. And I love the, the context. It says, the supernatural work of God in the modern world. This is a fabulous book. Craig was an atheist scholar who had an incredible encounter with Jesus in which his wife's sister was raised from the dead. And you better believe that's gonna change your paradigm. Craig is now a New Testament scholar and he has done incredible work documenting real stories that you can read about. If you wanna raise your faith that the miraculous happens today, the second book I wanna recommend is by Jordan Sang. And he was here last year for MLNP, and his book is called Miracle Work. And I also love his subtitle, A Down-to-Earth Guide to Supernatural Ministries. If you want to be encouraged to live the supernatural life where you get to extend the miraculous, these are excellent resources for you to consider. I'm going to finish our time together today by telling you guys a story 
from Reverb last weekend. Uh, If you don't know, our youth have an annual conference every single year. And so last weekend, they were away and God did amazing things. Miracles broke out. Healing was in the room. And I want to tell you the story of Adriana, who is a student who attends our church. And she shares that she has struggled with anxiety and depression for many years. In fact, last year, she attempted to take her own life. And she wasn't planning on going to Reverb, but because of your generous donations, she was able to get one of the scholarships and she was able to go and what she experienced changed her life. So let's watch her story. This is so scary. Okay. I have anxiety. Hold on. Um, I'm Adriana. I'm from Urbana Vineyard. Um, (laughs) Okay. So I've struggled with depression, anxiety since I was 13 Um, in March. It was a week after my birthday. I tried to end my life and Um, Coming here this weekend, um, I did not plan to come here, but I went to church one weekend and Samuel um, offered to pay for me to come here. So shout out to Samuel. (laughs) Um, I'm very thankful for that. I cried on the ground. Um, It was very heartwarming, but I did not come here with high expectations as I've tried to reach out before and nothing worked. Um, But Last night, I felt myself over there in the corner, and there was like three or four people, and they all had their hand on my back, and they were all praying for me. And there was this one girl, and she came over, and she placed both her hands on my back and was praying for me and telling me to let it all out and that it was going to be okay. So shout out to her. I found her after, and I hugged her. But it relieved me, and I came here very heavy-hearted, and I woke up this morning, and I was very free. I felt so much peace, and I've never felt that in my entire life. Yeah, let's go. This is the freedom that's available to every single one of us, that things that we've struggled with and wrestled with for years could be gone. And when we asked Adriana if we could share this story, she said, yes. She said, my life has been changed, and every day since I've been waking up in more and more freedom more and more filled with peace. And I believe that this is just a picture for each of us today, that Jesus is here. He is doing miracles today. So whether you need to receive a miracle, whether you need to release a miracle, whether you need to recognize a miracle, he wants to meet us and he wants to fill us and he wants to affirm what he's doing. And so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna stand if you're able and I'm gonna pray us into worship. There's an awesome set today to just put Jesus where he deserves, right in the center of our hearts and our lives. And I wanna just encourage you, just as the Lord leads, to just allow him to speak fully to you. And then we'll come up and do some ministry time. So let me just pray us into worship. Jesus, thank you that you're still doing miracles today. And God, for every miracle that is needed in this room, we invite you to just come with your truth and your power in this moment as we worship you and turn our attention and affection towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.